Welcome to the Newson Health Menopause Podcast. I'm Dr. Louise Newson, a GP and menopause specialist, and I run the Newson Health Menopause and Wellbeing Centre here in Stratford-upon-Avon. Today I'm delighted to have Yvonne Bruton here, who I first met a few years ago when I was doing some work with West Midlands Police. So good morning, Yvonne. Morning. I was trying to work out, um, just before we switched record, what your actual official title is, and it changes quite a lot, and it's quite a mouthful. So could you explain what you do? Of course. So I'm a Chief Inspector in West Midlands Police. Um, My role at the moment is I'm the strategic lead in our violence reduction unit. So that's some of the challenges around reducing knife crime, youth violence, Um, But across the whole vulnerability, violence, exploitation arena, I'm a whole four weeks in, don't yet know what I'm doing, but I will do. It's a Um, huge job. It's massive. It's really exciting, but it's daunting because there's a huge amount of real expectation on it. And we are a bit like we were just saying, you know, saving lives. The potential to make a huge difference. Yeah. And what's exciting is it's longer term and it's partnership and it's prevention based. Yeah. Which I think could be a real sort of step change in how we do stuff. Absolutely. And I think prevention is key, not just for your work, but, you know, for my work as well as a doctor. If we can prevent disease if we can prevent incidents if we can prevent knife crime isn't that better than just being reactive so the whole approach is they they call it the public health approach which Mm. is taking that prevention our little strap line is violence is preventable not inevitable and actually you you go oh yeah okay let's stop just assuming it happens we can do something about it which is really important isn't it so we'll come back to that in a bit because there's some analogies I think with the menopause but uh, people might be listening thinking, well, why have I got why? you why me? coming to talk so, about knife crime and we're talking exactly. about the menopause? So that's the sort of the day job, for yes. want of a word. But I've, um, for the last five years, been chair of our Women in Policing Association. So that's a staff network. There's one in every police force. Mm-hmm. But that's just around understanding the impact of women who are still underrepresented in the police service. So whilst the number's are around 30%. That's quite a lot, 30%. What did it used to be? A lot, but it's been 30% for a long long time and actually the ambition of policing is to represent the communities we serve Mm. and that's across the whole spectrum so clearly there's a huge challenge around ethnicity and representing our communities but it's really interesting because you go yeah 50% of the world are women so why aren't we aiming for 50% of the police service to be women which is a slightly different conversation but so my role as as chair of women in policing has been to look at issues such as representation such as recruitment such as promotion and progression Mm. and there's a really interesting link around that sort of glass ceiling and potentially the menopause which I think is a little bit under research potentially Um, but we also look at you know maternity issues flexible working and part-time and how that impacts and it was then sort of through that work that we became aware really of the challenges around the menopause Mm -hmm. menopause in the workplace and how absolutely nothing was being done or spoken about so and that's where I just got a little bit hang on a minute we've got all these women working in the organization it's a hard enough job whether it's police officer or police staff it's hard being in the minority Mm -hmm. and then when you add to that older and going through the menopause I just got this real feeling that we need the voice of these women and how do we make sure they feel included in the organisation so they stop worrying about other issues and can concentrate on delivering policing. 
found. Yeah. And had you thought about that? Say 10 years ago, if I'd met you, would you have thought no, anything the about the menopause? No. Not in the slightest. No. So it certainly wasn't personally on my radar. It wasn't on the radar of the organisation of policing in the way as every other organisation. Mm. But if I'm honest, it wasn't on the radar particularly of women in policing because no. even within that group where it was maternity and part-time and recruitment and retention, I don't know that we'd ever even considered it. Um, no. It was only probably just before we got in touch because we sort of met you quite early on the journey yes. within women in policing so probably only for the last three or four years I'd have said and before that you're right nothing no and do you know what percentage when you say there's 30 percent of women does the percentage reduce as women get older do you think more women are leaving police in their 50s so I think generally because within policing when you sign up or certainly few years ago when mm. I joined you signed up for 30 years right so actually a lot of people would join at the age of 18 to 20 so they would naturally and they would naturally 50. so yes. I'm not sure that we've necessarily been alert to maybe that's one of the reasons why we haven't picked it up sooner yes. there used to be a bit of a drop off after maternity leave I mean gosh 50 years ago you weren't allowed to be married so if you wanted to be married you sort of you left yeah. then if you had children you had to leave and you come back and there weren't any of the accommodations. And it was interesting because it was in our menopause support group that that first dawned on me. And it was one mm. of the ladies there, I've got 28, 29 years service. You know, when I joined, yes. you were only just allowed to stay married. Then when I first had my kids, I was the one who had to sort of fight to come back and have mm. the... And now I've got to the end of my service, I'm the one who's yes. fighting. And that felt quite, you know, um, quite impactful really that... These women, the pioneers and all of that, yeah. were having to break down these barriers through their own generation. Through their own experiences. Yeah. And, and yeah. hopefully in another generation, it's not going to be like that. Yeah, it's, I mean... It's, it's slow, isn't it, with the menopause? It's and, horrendously slow. And I think it struck me when I first did a first meeting... Well, there's lots of things that struck me really. At the, the menopause, I had no idea that so many police naturally, like you say, left at 50. Yeah. But then when I spoke to him, because I was thinking naively, oh, how lovely, if you retire at 50, they've got this whole life ahead of you where you can enjoy your mm. retirement. Some of them go abroad, whatever. But then when I was speaking to some of them, they said, oh, gosh, no, I just sit on the sofa all day. I, my joints are stiff. My memory's gone. I can't play with my grandkids. I'm not actually enjoying myself. And they've put 30 um, years into yeah. serving. Well, that's right. And the only thing I will just say, because the passion for me is about being inclusive of police officers and police staff. Yes. So we do have have police staff who stay longer so actually in terms of the population within the organisation more of the older are police staff Staff rather rather than 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 police officers so actually but I think that says something about the voice and power of them because culturally police staff have been considered as sort of almost second class to police Mm. officers again I think that's changing but it is one of those cultural bits we have to keep an eye on and actually now most of our menopause work is driven by police staff and they do able to represent and speak Mm. for that broader so whilst there's a challenge in being operational police officers having to wear the stab proof so Mm. you know some of the colleagues saying I'm having a hot flush and I'm driving I'm answering a 999 call and the blue lights and the two tones are going and I've got my stab proof on Mm. and all I want to do is pull over and rip everything off off. so there are some challenges and we've got PCSOs these community support officers who are operational. Mm. But actually, we do have lots of people who work in, in a huge range of important functions. That might be answering 999 calls, that might be the dispatcher on the radio. So some real critical roles, yeah. but who are police staff yes. who do stay longer. Stay longer, yeah. yeah. 
But I think when I was talking to some of these people, and they thought they were feeling like this because they'd left a community, you know, they'd yes. been working somewhere 30 years, you're all really close, it's a great yeah. environment, and suddenly they're on their own. But actually, yeah. once I started talking about the menopause, they had no idea that those symptoms were related. And Well, I think that's one of the biggest yeah. things. Certainly I've learned personally, but within the organisation. So when the team did um, the research, we designed that beautiful poster, mm. which was the outline of a woman's shape and listed all of the symptoms. And there's 70-odd-ish, yes. I'm sure you'll correct me. But you suddenly go, oh my goodness, I hadn't realised. Yeah. And you suddenly go, oh, well, what if women have one of them and a bit of that and a bit of that? Yes. Might not have thought. And certainly that was one of the really key things I think you brought in for is that knowledge and that evidence base and yeah. you know with your medical background in the nice that we could rely on you that it was you know going to I be think, yeah. uh, that information which was massive it was quite interesting wasn't it? so I was with as you know the Westminster Police for it was a year really wasn't yeah. it and I did what, half a day a month so it was a very small amount and I remember coming to the first meeting and you have this menopause unit there of women coming which is quite unusual for a company anyway isn't it and but I remember going to the front desk and signing in and you know I'm always proud of being a menopause doctor and I said oh I'm here for the menopause (laughs) meeting and yeah people just laughed I bet the looks you got I know so I was like okay so I signed in and I came to this room with lovely women and I do remember saying to you I cannot help you with policies I know nothing about business or organizational structure all I can do is talk about the menopause because that's what I do every day and Mm. so then I um, came and I gave my usual presentation about what the menopause is what the symptoms can be how symptoms can change with time and with between different women but also about the health risks of the menopause so this risks of osteoporosis, heart disease, diabetes, if we don't have hormones in our body, and also about early menopause. So one in 100 women under the age of 40, one in 1,000 under the age of 30. And it was great, even that first meeting, there were a couple of younger women there, Because we've had that quite a lot. Absolutely. And wouldn't have been something I'd have thought of. And it was through that. So uh, our menopause support group has has an amazing impact because it's peer driven yes. and pre-led so it's women getting themselves together yes. so there's a little bit that we just give them the space I won't say just but you know they don't need yeah. much more than space and encouragement they need the just the you know like you say the space that's confidential for them it's a way but they've been allowed to go to it which I think is really important isn't it and, so, and sharing the information yeah. so I mean I think your impact on the work we did was quite transformational mm. so whilst you say oh I don't know about policies actually you were uh, then allowed us to shine a light on yes. so we'd listen and sort of go oh okay gosh I haven't thought of that we now need to go and yes. look at but as I say, I also think that you are a force of nature, clearly. But you know, being able to take you to our, our head of people and organisational development and yes. some of our senior staff to sort of go, this is, and, and you were able to speak with that credibility with the evidence base yes. to be able to say, medically, here's the information, yes. allowed us as an organisation to be able to go, oh, this is a wellbeing issue. Absolutely. This is a medical, this is going to affect attendance in our organisation as well as the mental health. And I know we've we've had lots of chats around that because, as I said, we want our police staff and officers to be at work doing the job, keeping communities safe, not sat at home feeling anxious just because they don't have the information they need. And I think that's where I got a bit oh my God, this isn't that difficult then. Yes, no. We just need to join all I those think, bits up. Yeah, and it's huge, isn't it? I think a few years ago before I was doing so much menopause work, I used to think, oh, menopause are women, just give them a fan. They'll be fine. Yeah. And I am so feel so embarrassed that I even thought like that because, as you know, some of the research that we did at West Midlands Police looking at the effect of the menopause and workplace 
couple of really important things we teased out. For me, the main one is that the top three symptoms affecting those women at work, which I'm sure is the same for lots of women, is uh, symptoms related to fatigue, anxiety, yeah. memory problems. So a fan or a change in air conditioning is not going to change yeah. or help them. Yeah. So that's really key. And probably even more importantly was the figure that 78% of those women questioned did not realise they were menopausal until they were given information. And I think, exactly, I think that was that huge learning. That was that poster, that was that, the 70. And then suddenly people were able to go, well, blimey, I didn't realise that. And I think the other thing that we unlocked, and again, it sounds obvious, Mm. but was about the men. Yes. So we've got a huge organisation, you know, a huge number of men in the organisation. And so many of them had come up to me and go, thank you so much for yes. what you're doing. Can I have a leaflet to take home? Yeah. So whether it's women within West Midlands, yeah. it's equally important for the men within West Midlands Police so that they can, they, you know, I sort of have a bit of a, if you live with a woman or work with a woman or you yes. supervise a woman or are supervised by a woman, oh, that's everyone then. Yes, right. so you all need to. And so you all need to at least be aware. It's absolutely of, key. And, and we did some really great workshops, didn't we, with Laughology, a company yeah, that um, they educate through, they've got stand-up comedians and it's, what their sort of motto is, is if you're happy, you're more likely to learn. Yes. And so it wasn't making fun of the menopause. To say, it was great. We it were was... laughing at the same time as learning, yes. not laughing about Absolutely. it. And it was... Uh, we there had... were a few tears as well when people yeah. realised. And, yeah. and often what happens at some of these events is that women go, often because they're line managers, and they don't even think about their own experience. Yeah. And then they start to hear about some of the 70 symptoms, or I think recently I read 86. But I'm sure it's but The thing is, more. our hormones, estrogen, and also testosterone in our bodies get everywhere. We, our cells respond to them. So in our brains, in our muscles, in our joints, in our bladders, in our hearts, mm-hmm. you know, even in our nostrils. So you can get symptoms everywhere. So they can range from sort of the low mood, anxiety, depressive symptoms to bladder symptoms, joint pains, muscle aches, even dry mouth, dry eyes. You know, it really can affect. And so once you start, we were drawing this menopausal woman, weren't we? And everyone was saying what they thought. And then there's always a few people who become withdrawn, even tearful, because they're realising that's them. It's that dawn that they didn't realise. Yeah, and it's really important that people know, like you say, men and women, because... When you look at sickness record, a lot of these women are being signed off with depression or migraines or anxiety. And then they're made to feel, they sort of feel like failures because it's quite hard, isn't it, to say, you know, and and then they're sort of stigmatized and you think, oh gosh, would I want that person being promoted because they've been off for a year with depression? Exactly. And And actually they're not depressed. They and you know, some of the stories, so I've sort of sat yeah. in, in the support group, you know, and a woman saying, I've been 28 years, I'm a, you know, a specialist in my field, I work in, I think it was intelligence, but, you know, in a real, quite a niche thing, and then going, and actually, they're now, the team are taking the mick out of me because I'm forgetting my words mm. and I can't finish my sentence. And it was heartbreaking. Yes. And you could see that leading to that loss of self-confidence yes. and then all of the other bits that mm. sort of come on. So there was something really powerful about being able to help women identify all of those symptoms yes. and then be able to go, you know, it's not hopeless. Here's some basic information because I think there was a huge change with just people being able to, oh, oh, I might be menopausal. It's that light bulb oh. moment, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then in terms of the extent of their symptoms and what support and help, mm. and you gave us loads of help around, okay, so not all GPs are yet on the right page, mm. but here's a letter you can give to them, here's yes. a booklet, you know, or if you need more specialists, you know, you sort of yeah, are able to see women directly. It's really important um, 
certainly when talking to a lot of these women, they're certainly in the first meeting and they would share their experience. And I think probably only one of them was on HRT. Yeah. There's quite a few who were too scared to take it. And most of the others were taking antidepressants. And I obviously go around a lot demystifying HRT, as yeah. you know, because I feel that the media have got it wrong, some of the medical press have got it wrong. And for the majority of women, the benefits of taking HRT outweigh any risks especially the body identical hormones, so the same molecular structures, the ones we produce, which are available on the NHS, can really make a difference, not just to symptoms, but reduce future risk of these diseases we mentioned, such as heart disease and osteoporosis. And what was interesting for me, coming in and out over the year, was some of these women then started to fight back against their antidepressants and get HRT. And once they did, like a lot of women I see and speak to, feel so much better and then they stop their antidepressants it was as i said you know i suppose to some extent your gift which sounds a bit corny but you know was that information so i hadn't stopped to think about hrt and you know lots of colleagues and they're suddenly oh okay so you gave or enabled us to get information by which you can then make decisions so yes whilst there may be risks and there may be you know some scientific research actually there are risks of not and there's the risk of not having the hormones and i remember reading several things going I mean, you know, why don't we hear this side? Yes. So even just, and I know you, you sort of put us in touch with some leaflets and, and information that then just said, these are the things you need to consider if you're thinking about it. Yes. And that was a huge leap forward yes. because then I think all of those sort of misconceptions and prejudices, you're at least able to go, oh, actually, I know a bit more to go. I can go and ask the questions. Well, I think it's having the confidence, isn't it? And, and certainly all the menopause guidelines talk about women having individualised care. And certainly yeah. as a doctor, even if women, were for example diabetic or had heart disease anything women and men need to have an individualized consultation because it depends on their choice as well if they're if they're of sound mind consenting adults then they are allowed to make a reasonable choice as long as they're aware of any potential risks and benefits as well and medicine (coughs) is shifting we're less paternalistic we shouldn't be saying here Ravon, have this green slip of paper that, and your prescription and yeah. off you go. It needs to be shared. You need to tell me your concerns. We need to talk and discuss and have this joint decision-making process. Well, and I think that was the point, that if you don't know anything about it and your GP says, oh, no, HRT is not good or this won't work, yeah. why would you challenge that? Because you just, oh, you're the doctor. You well, know yeah, absolutely. Whereas if you then have got a little bit, oh, hang on a second, doctor, I've read this leaf, yes. I've heard this, and what about? Yes. It's suddenly, and I think there's a big bit that puts you back a little bit more more in control yeah and the women feel good about it I think once they've got the knowledge and like you've mentioned we did a letter so if any of you are interested if you search letter on my menopause doctor website there's this letter and if doctors have refused HRT for a reason that doesn't seem right rather than challenge because it's very hard to challenge another healthcare professional Um, especially when you're feeling when you're feeling vulnerable and and it's really difficult so then you can download the letter and it really basically says I just want another consultation to discuss why you've refused HRT I've read the nice guidelines I've been on my website and could we have another consultation because you are a great doctor because it's not about doctor's ability as you know and I know uh, GP and nurses and healthcare professionals education of the menopause is poor I didn't get any structured training Mm. as an undergraduate or postgraduate 
And actually, for all the women that use the letter, it's worked, hasn't yeah. it? And they've had really great consultations. But I think there. it also, it is that empowering them. And that's mm. one of the most important things, I think, about the work we've been doing, is allow women, and, and sometimes men, but, you know, to come in, to share their stories with each other, get a little bit of camaraderie. So there's a, they've got a closed Facebook page where, yes. oh, and have we hooted about the magnets in your pants sticking to the trolley? You know, yes. silly things, but have you tried this? What about? Yes. Um, and, and have that opportunity. But then also allowing them to explore oh well, hang on what can we do about this and yes. the we might be the organization as their employer mm. the we might be the group well actually should we you know can we and I know when you know well let's get Louise back in and we'll have yeah. another session on this or is it what what can I as an individual do yes. well actually I can take a bit of responsibility I can read the, your website yes. or, or the booklets and actually I can maybe go back and have another conversation yeah. and, and I think on all those three levels that's made a significant shift mentally psychologically to people being able to feel like okay I can get through this I can you know and I think um there's been a bit of backstabbing hasn't there about menopause in the workplace certainly some of the media work that I've done has been mis sort of understood and misreported where people are saying well why should women declare that they're menopausal in their office surely they it's private and you know there was something about having a quiet room for menopause well how why would you do that but actually I think what the police did very well and still do very well is about giving women a choice so some women they want to dip in privately read the information go away privately and that's perfect so I've I've spoken to colleagues who sort of go I don't know why you're talking about this because it's very private and I don't want to share it with anybody absolutely 100% respect Mm. your view but for those who need some help or want to come in and talk about it they should have the ability and I always sort of say you know we have so new parents mums or dads they're coming oh did you get any sleep last night and it's a great chat because everybody knows those first six to twelve months uh, whether baby slept or not and if you come into work tired you want to be able to go God, I've been up half the night, I'm shattered. Yes. Can you just make tolerances for me? We had one of the ladies at the support group who sort of said, you know, I've been up five times, I've changed the bed five times, mm. and I'm sitting there going, oh, my goodness. Must be shattered. And then poor yeah. Hubby's been chopped out of bed five yes. times. He's yeah, coming he's into gonna, work, yeah, and he's going to be shattered, yeah. and yet none of them are able to say... I've had a terrible night's sleep because I'm going through something that's very natural that every woman on the planet yeah, goes through. Yeah, I know. It's so that's funny. where I just it's get a bit... Yeah. yeah. But it is interesting. I know um, lovely Dave Thompson, the Chief Constable. Yeah. So I first met him at dinner, actually, and I went up to him, but I missed my train because I was <laughs> talking to him and he looked like a bit of a scared rabbit as I was talking all about the menopause. Um, I don't think I was talking about vaginal dryness, but I was really talking a yes. lot. And I didn't know who he was, so <laughs> I knew he was important. And I could see at the corner of my eye you um, laughing thinking Louise calm down <laughs> and then I met him a few weeks later I was holding an event and he had just come out of the same room and I said to him well, Dave where are you off to now because I think you should come and listen to my lecture and he said oh no Louise I've got a meeting in half an hour I said well that's great come for half an hour and he was really do you remember he was really yes. embarrassed he sat at the edge and it was all about menopause in the workplace what the symptoms everything else and Dave's done a lot of work with well-being hasn't he from yeah. Manchester come down and I could see him sitting forward as I was talking he and was massive really engaged and and actually he I think he missed his next meeting because he stayed yes he did he did didn't he he phoned them and rearranged because yeah. he was so and he then actually apologized a bit and said he had no idea. He had no idea about the effect on mental health, on physical health, even this increased risk of osteoporosis. And he's saying, well, quite rightly, if we're 
employing women for longer and they've mm. got a risk of heart disease, they've got a risk of diabetes, surely anything that reduces that in the whole well-being. And actually, I know I talk a lot about HRT, but it is about diet and exercise and mindfulness and meditation and sleep and relaxation, yeah. whatever works for you. But it's really important that women and especially menopausal women have that whole platform. And so for a company to provide care for well-being the menopause is part of that as well yeah yeah so he's really taking it on so he's been a great sort of champion so mm. he very much sort of says look you go and do what needs to do but we as an organization will support so certainly supporting the women in policing yes. network but through our occupational health our well-being manager through our sort of hr function everyone sort of there's a little bit about well what what should we do what can we do so yeah. don't get me wrong there's still lots to do yes. and we've got lots of competing priorities yeah um, as of every organization but but I do think that Dave's been really key in helping us get it on the agenda yes. certainly helping us as West Mids blazed a bit of a trail and, and certainly working with you we've had lots of opportunities to just yeah. share what we're doing and don't get me wrong there's practice we can learn from other people yeah. there's lots of things we need to get better at but I do feel we've started a conversation. I think you're ahead of the game aren't you I think West Midlands Police have been um, hugely supportive which I'm very grateful for of of my work but they've driven it like you say a lot by themselves so it's not cost them huge amounts of money it's nothing fancy we've you know done some very effective things and we we did an event one evening didn't we and partners came as well and in fact we got my husband to come and talk I won't forget that (laughs) some of you might know he's a urologist but he does a lot of um, penile reconstructive work and he's got quite a dry sense of humour, shall we say. Some graphic photos. And the very graphic photos, <laughs> yes. he, he did a lot of work with um, embarrassing bodies. And so, but it was great, actually, because... You know, it was interesting. So we got the blokes in the room, yes. and it was lovely for, whether it was both worked within West Midlands Police or one or the other. But suddenly, again, it, for me, it's this having the conversation. Absolutely. And even with a couple that might have skirted around it a bit mm. at home or felt a bit uncomfortable, that suddenly... And we were just talking about this and it's okay and normalised. It was really impactive. It was. It was really interesting seeing just the dynamics of how couples sitting next to each other changed over the course of the evening. And, you know, as a medical person, I suppose, I don't get embarrassed about talking about anything, as you know. (laughs) But we know that lack of libido is huge in menopausal women. Mm. And because we're so British, we don't talk about sex. But, you know, sex is really important for women and also for men. And... Certainly men who aren't having regular intercourse, it affects even their ability to work. We know from research that men who have sex at least twice a week actually perform better at work. They have lower blood pressure. They they have less risk of diabetes. It's really important. Um, And obviously it's important in so many ways. And it's not just about penetrative sex. A lot of these women, when you're menopausal, you feel very vulnerable. You feel quite worthless. You feel like a shadow of your former self. So you don't actually want your partner to hold their hand because you're, firstly, might be scared that it is going to lead to something else and you might have some vaginal dryness that's painful, but also you don't feel so much of a woman. And so just these signals of don't come near me is really hard for men. Yeah, um, and, and I think that, that self-esteem, that psychological bit, yes. I mean, that, that for me is, I think, what you then see back into the workplace yes. that's the overt side of some of that. Yeah, you know, That if you're not feeling good about yourself or you don't feel attractive or your relationship's not going well you know even for minor things we all know oh, you can have a bit of a sort of grumpy day Absolutely. well if that's over months 
or years, Carries on. then, you know, that, that's huge. Yeah. And that takes me back where we were starting at the beginning about your new role yeah. with crime prevention. There are a lot of people in domestic abuse, whether it's um, physical or verbal abuse, are feeling very vulnerable, aren't they? Mm. And we've had this discussion before and there's no research into it and I would love to do some research as to how that changes when these women are perimenopausal and menopausal. Because we know that when people are victims of any sort of abuse, they feel very worthless, but they also feel in some ways that they deserve to be like this. There's There's this whole guilt thing. And people feel that they, and certainly people that do abuse there's this dichotomy, isn't there? They're, in the morning, they'll love that person. In the evening, they'll be beating them up. Yeah. And for those, often the women who are very vulnerable, they've got nowhere to run to, no one to talk to, nowhere mm-hmm. to hide. So it's better the devil they know sort of thing, isn't yeah. it? And the children are involved. So this cycle goes on and on. These women feel worn out, understandably. And then what I keep thinking is when they become perimenopausal and menopausal, yeah. they'll feel worthless. They'll feel no motivation low mood anxiety because of the symptoms Mm. but they'll put that down to their abuse and they won't be strong enough to stand up and you know these women all women need help but these women I think especially need help a lot of them are in inner cities and access to good primary care can be really difficult challenging they often see different doctors as we know menopause training isn't good for doctors so they're not getting the right help a lot of these women we know are on antidepressants some research has shown recently that women are less than half likely to get hrt if they're in an inner city area and I know for a start you know women who take HRT often feel better and they feel stronger they're more likely to stand up you know they're more likely to fight not fight physically but take a step back and think what am I doing in this relationship come on I can't be treated like this I'm I'm not worthless I'm you know and I just think there's a lot of women out there who could really get a lot of help and also for those men my husband hated me when I was menopausal because I was miserable. His mm. breathing annoyed me. I was shouting mm. at the kids. He said to me, the best thing about you being menopausal was that you were tired, you went to bed early and then we could ignore you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I get that. But if he's not abusive at all, I'm very fortunate. But if he was, yeah, there's been more reason more to, to mm. you know, attack me because I wasn't the person he married 30 years yeah. ago. Yeah, and if it had gone on for longer, he would have he would have left me. There's no doubt about it because I was really difficult. But I only had symptoms for a few months until I finally realised what yeah. was going on. But so for a lot, you can see how these yeah. things happen, and I think it's very interesting because this is a global problem. It's, yeah. it's not um, a social problem. It's not related to social class or ethnic mix. All yeah. women, like you say, go through the menopause, and all women yeah. will have some of these symptoms. So. Yeah, there's ways of teasing it out with your future work. I will be eternally good. <laughs> well, it's interesting. So the, my work now sort of moves around violence and vulnerability, mm. and it is around that that preventive. Yes. So it does include the whole spectrum from domestic abuse, exploitation, yes. grooming. Uh, you know, so violence, knife crime, mm. street crime, alcohol based. But so I think certainly within that that domestic, and the good thing is, so working with 
a whole range of partners, so local authority, the NHS, sort of care commissioning, mm. the Public Health England. There's a whole breadth of experience and perspective, but one of the ladies who's just joined the team has worked with the Women's Aid and worked within a whole, across a whole spectrum of, you know, sort of domestic abuse and sexual yes. abuse survivors. So I'm going to go and pick her brains. Oh, I'd be And amazing. maybe we can sort of have that conversation. Really, but I think it's really interesting, and I'm sure lots of people listening will be sort of nodding their head and thinking... So maybe that's like we'll have a watch this space yes and report so back. We could come back okay no that would yeah, be amazing because there's those links there because yeah. as you say domestic abuse goes across all sections of yes. society and, yeah. and similar you know that it doesn't sort of just uh, pick on one group absolutely well thank you ever so much for your time it's been we could talk all day good um, so before we finish could i ask for three take-home tips about what you might offer for women who are in the workplace feeling a bit vulnerable not really sure what to yeah so I think you know the top bit for me is to find somebody to talk to about it now if in the immediate that's not your line manager Mm -hmm. one of I think the most powerful things that we've enabled to happen within West Midlands is a group of women that peer support Mm -hmm. so go and find somebody else in the same position as you as and when either you or that group feel that you've got the strength and the confidence, it is then going and finding the right sort of organisational advocate. So for us, we're women in policing is a staff network. Mm-hmm. If you've got a staff network, that's great, but it might be your diversity and inclusion, it might be your wellbeing, it might be your health. You will find someone somewhere, and quite often it's somebody who's sort of been through it or at least, oh, God, yeah, I remember when it was me or my sister or somebody. So there's like, you know, sort of find somebody, help each other, find somebody within the organization and then don't be afraid to make a bit of noise at the point that you've got the right platform and either you personally or through and that's where I saw my role really as uh, women in policing is make a bit of noise about Mm. it not to embarrass anybody not to force people to discuss stuff they don't want to but so that the gap for me was if you need to come into work and talk about it you felt you'd got a safe enough space to do that so it'd be that sort of tiered approach Mm. for me and you know if you're not getting that support within your organization link out to others so I mean we'll talk to anybody with the police but you know really comfortable there's lots of organizations or people who've got in touch Mm. and we can either put you in touch with people locally or um, you know and through your networks Louise as Mm. well but if it's not working within your organization don't think that has to be the end of it there will be lots of across all different sectors and all different types of organizations you know public private that we might know of somebody who knows somebody who yes. can start influencing so brilliant great so be it. Tips. <laughs> brilliant thank you ever so much yeah, pleasure. thank you for more information about the menopause please visit our website www.menopausedoctor.com co.uk Thank you.